Welcome to the Ultraviolet Tide podcast presented by The Ultraviolet. Join us every week for a healthy dose of skincare tips and tricks, lifestyle advice, mental health advocacy, and more all rolled into one weekly podcast. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back to the Ultraviolet Tide. We're super excited for another week, especially because our guest today is Fallon Katz, the Chief Executive Officer of Melanoma Canada. Fallon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have this episode really as a bookend to May and Melanoma and Skin Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, before we really dive in and get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I'm going to give a brief introduction so that our audience can learn a little bit more about you. So like I said, Fallon Katz is the Chief Executive Officer of Melanoma Canada. Melanoma Canada advocates for and supports Canadians living with melanoma and skin cancer with helpful resources, education, support services, and more. Their mission is to be the united voice of the melanoma and skin cancer community, advocating for early detection, timely diagnosis, and effective treatment options. Their vision is to achieve zero melanoma and skin cancer-related deaths, which is definitely something we can get behind here at LUV. Fallon, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and Melanoma Canada's mission? Sure. So I've been in the charitable sector for almost 15 years now, working for a variety of different national uh, cancer and and health charities. And uh, I joined Melanoma Canada three years ago uh, in the executive director, now CEO, role, uh, leading the organization through probably what I think everyone can agree on is the most challenging time period we've we've had to face um, in the charitable sector, uh, dealing with the, the pandemic uh, on top of everything else and all the struggles we normally uh, normally go through. Um, but uh, but we're 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 long past it now. Um, and uh, and we thrived um, and continue to support our community, uh, despite the challenge that challenges that they faced, um, which, which made accessing treatment uh, and, and diagnostic services uh, even more difficult. Um, so uh, my, I have melanoma and skin cancers in my family, uh, so this cause is, is very personal to me. Um, and yeah, we've, uh, we've been working uh, tirelessly uh, s- since we were founded, but especially over the last three years uh, to really support our community. Uh, mental health challenges were very real for, I think, everybody, but especially uh, for the cancer community uh, during the, this time period. Um, and so our support services were readily, readily available uh, virtually to, uh, to help steer our, our patient community through the pandemic. Yeah, that's awesome. No kidding when you say you joined at such an interesting time because dealing with support for melanoma and skin cancer is certainly difficult as just being that, but throw in a global pandemic on top of that. And like you said, those support services are absolutely vital, um, you know, to get people the mental health support that they need in such a such a challenging time, I'm sure was something that was also a challenge for Melanoma Canada to provide. Definitely, uh, we had to pivot quite a bit, but uh, you know we had we have very generous sponsors and partners who allowed us to uh, offer new uh, new programs and new services uh, to continue to be able to be there for our community during the pandemic. So you had a background in healthcare before joining Melanoma Canada. You were kind of already in the sector and understood, and then you said you had kind of family ties in the skin cancer melanoma 
within that that kind of allowed it to be a personal connection? Do you feel comfortable divulging a little bit more on that and the personal aspect of it? Sure. Uh, my mom has been through melanoma uh, and uh, my grandparents have been through other types of skin cancer and non-melanoma skin cancers. Um, and so for me, it, it was personal. Uh, prior to uh, joining Melanoma Canada, uh, I worked for Prostate Cancer Canada uh, and prior to that for Canadian Breast Cancer Foundation. So uh, two of the most common cancers, one in men, one in women. And now with skin cancer, it's the, the most common cancers, that type of cancer diagnosed period. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I it felt very natural for me to come uh, and join Melanoma Canada. Um, my background was primarily in, in fundraising. So this is my first foray uh, into also overseeing mission programs. Uh, but I really enjoy it because the two really go together. It's the, the funds raised go to support the mission. And so to be able to understand fully uh, and appreciate fully where the, the money is going and really hear from the community about what they want and what they need as patients, uh, as caregivers, as healthcare professionals, it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And we've seen firsthand, especially with our work with the Melanoma Research Foundation here, um, just outside of Washington, D.C., they're based in D.C. So we kind of have a firsthand look into the work that they're doing on Capitol Hill and and throughout the, the U.S. and beyond. Um, and we've seen the effect that this has had on people who are just trying to continue to live their life on their terms. And without organizations like this, they really wouldn't have a voice when it comes to big policy decisions or anything of that nature. Yeah, it's always nice when you can see uh, firsthand where the money is going um, and really be able to understand the impact that your dollars are having. For sure. And one thing I really wanted to dive into as well is we talk a lot about the US, but you guys are based in Canada, which I thought would be a really fun opportunity to talk a little bit about stats specific to Canada and what you guys are focused on. What are what are, what are the key things that you're focused on? What are the key things that you're trying to make happen for the melanoma and skin cancer community right now? For sure. So one in three cancers diagnosed in Canada is a type of skin cancer. Um, and melanoma, which is the deadliest type of skin cancer, is the seventh most common uh, cancer diagnose. And unfortunately, it's on the rise. Um, it's been rising over the last 25 years, and especially in young Canadians. Um, the good news is that skin cancers, including melanoma, are largely preventable because the majority are caused by UV rays from the sun or artificial sources like tanning beds. Um, so our goal, I mean, you touched on it earlier when you talked about our, our mission, um, sun safety and prevention uh, and having those conversations and educating Canadians um, to try and reduce the incidence rates uh, and avoid some of those unnecessary deaths uh, really helps achieve our, our vision, right? Of zero melanoma and skin cancer related deaths. So um, public education is, is really crucial for us. Um, you know, uh, most people aren't aware and it's, you know, I, I think it's an, an international stat, but uh, skin cancers are more common than breast, prostate, lung and colon cancers combined, uh, which is pretty scary. And most people think, you know, oh, it's just something that can be, uh, you know, taken off in the dermatologist's office and it's not something I have to worry about long term. It's not fatal. Well, three Canadians are dying every day of melanoma and, and like largely preventable deaths, uh, given, like I said, the majority caused by UV exposure. So, so really, uh, you know, we work on a daily basis to, to educate, to inform, um, and to talk about the importance of prevention and early detection, but also to support 
you know, the patient and caregiver community uh, who are battling, you know, not just, um, uh, you know, a, an easy thing to go through what people, you know, misconstrue as, oh, it's just skin cancer. Uh, and so that sometimes makes it psychologically even harder, right? Because nobody understands what you're going, oh, it's not a big deal. But stage four melanoma is, right. you know, a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Yeah. Um, so, right. so really, you know, helping our community uh, get through those type of things is is what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're totally right. We hear that all the time. It's just skin cancer. Well, it's not just skin cancer. And you also mentioned tanning beds. And Snigda and I, we just talked about tanning beds. Snigda, do you want to dive a little bit more into that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've I feel like I launched like a social media attack on tanning beds <laughs> recently. I made a TikTok that got a lot of heat and uh, uh, I, safe to say it went viral. Um, lots of interesting comments that, you know, I come across on that TikTok. And I'm like, do, do people really not understand that it's just basic precaution? Like it's better safe than sorry type of situation. And you know, we we touched on kind of the history of a tanning bed, where they started, the original use of them, and then how they've kind of evolved from a medicinal use that was used to help people with certain skin conditions to help even out their skin tone and stuff like that under the supervision of a doctor, of course. And then from there, it's kind of transitioned into a cosmetic use. Um mm-hmm. And we also touched on kind of the cultural implications of how, you know, in the in the East, and this isn't like a stereotype, this is just what I've observed as an Indian American, is that we are usually tanner and we want to be on the lighter side. Whereas here in the West, you want to be more tan. And I'm just sitting here in the middle, like, why can't we be ever happy with <laughs> how we are? Wouldn't that be nice? I know. Yeah. Embrace the skin that we're in. Like, how does it, I don't, I just don't understand. Um, And I feel like tanning beds are just, they're so voluntary and it's just one decision where, you know, you say, well, I'm going to go spray tan or I'm going to go use a um, self tanning lotion instead. And it's so easy, so preventative. I mean, we say there is no safe tan period. Um, and, uh, you know, we talk about tanning, uh, you know, stereotypically it's been considered it's sexy, right. To have a tan, uh, but it's actually deadly. Um, so, you know, I think we have to educate and continue to talk to, um, Canadians, talk to Americans, talk to everybody around the world about, you know, the dangers of tanning beds. They're a class one carcinogen. They're comparable to tobacco. Um, but people don't understand that. Um, and so I think it's about continuing to to talk about it. Uh, we were very instrumental several years ago about uh, increasing the age limit for tanning beds and, and making sure that youth can't access them. Um, and, uh, and I think that's something we need to continue to chat about. We're hoping in the coming uh, months and years to have conversations with national fitness clubs um, because they're, they're readily available there. And so these fitness chains are talking about and preaching health, uh, but really they offer a service right. and sometimes they even profit off a service uh, because they charge extra for those memberships, right, to use the tanning beds. They're, they're killing people. Um, you don't see the gym selling cigarettes, 
they don't sell alcohol. Right. Uh, it's a comparable, mm -hmm. it's a comparable product. Um, so, so really that's, uh, it's, it's been one of our goals for a while, uh, but we, we haven't wanted to kick fitness clubs while they're down. A lot of them, you know, suffered during the pandemic and had to close. Um, and so we, we put that, uh, on pause, um, for a little bit, but, uh, it, it's definitely on our radar as something that needs to be tackled. Um, because yeah, it's, it's, it's just wrong and shouldn't be in their service offerings at all. Oh, we absolutely agree. And it's it's something that we've had conversations about before that I find really interesting that tanning beds were really marketed as self-care, which is why it is in those those sports clubs and in those gyms and everything, because it was seen as self-care because you go in and you feel better and you feel ready to take on your day and you have a tan and your mental health is boosted. But people are finally, and it's much like cigarettes and you kind of made the comparison there that people were smoking cigarettes but they didn't know the health implications and then we figured it out and then you saw a huge change and we're hoping that the same happens for tanning beds now the research is out let's see that drastic change we're ready for it let's go yeah exactly and another thing too that I found really fascinating is through our conversations with businesses across Canada and kind of talking about what their customers and what they're seeing when it comes to the thoughts on some protective apparel and tanning and everything. And I had a really fascinating conversation with a business owner in Canada who mentioned how a lot of people don't think of Canada and think of sun protection being necessary because you're like, oh, you're so far north and yada, yada, yada. And she's like, I just want to shake them because that's not how it works. She said she gets comments like that all the time. Have you seen that as well? Uh, yes and no. I mean, we deal predominantly with the Canadian marketplace. And so really everybody is here is thinking, you know, I just need sun protection in the spring and summer and not the winter and fall. And so a lot of the education that we do is around sun safety year round and making it a habit similar to how you would brush your teeth, uh, you know, and put on uh, a seatbelt before you get in a car, right? You wouldn't get in a car without a seatbelt. You wouldn't leave your house in the morning without brushing your teeth don't leave your house without putting on sunscreen. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, the sun reflects off of ice and snow, uh, just as it reflects off of water. And so it can be every bit as dangerous in the winter as it is in the summer. And so it's, you know, we, we run uh, a campaign in the winter called, um, we call it the seven summit snowshoe challenge for skin cancer. And so we, it's a national challenge. And so Canadians from across the country snowshoe the distance equal to the seven tallest summits in the world to raise awareness for the importance of winter sun safety. And we do a lot of education that way. And we're out in the marketplace um, and in the media talking about it. Uh, and it has gotten quite a lot of attention. Uh, especially during the pandemic, because snowshoeing was a safe sport to do during right. the pandemic. You could do it anywhere in your own backyard on trails all around the country. So, um, but yeah, it is, it is a common uh, misnomer that, you know, the, the further north you are or the colder your climate, you don't have to worry about it as much, but our summers are really, really hot. Um, and the ozone layer is getting thinner everywhere. And so more UV is, is coming through and we've got these fun, I don't know if you can, you can see my wrist, but we've got these fun little bracelets um, and they're UV bracelets that change color. Uh, yeah. So they're clear and they turn to red um, when the UV is strong as a reminder to put on sunscreen and cover up uh, and, and seek shade where you can. And uh, so I don't know if this is, it's not now, but even sometimes by the window, right? We right. work inside by windows. If the blinds are open and the sun is coming through, the windows don't 
fully eliminate the UV. And so it tells you, hey, you know, I put on sunscreen every morning with my moisturizer. And, you know, fine, I may be guilty of not reapplying it every two hours when I'm inside, but definitely when I'm outside, you know, it's, yeah. it's important to remember to, to reapply and, you know, I, you know, ideally cover up if you, if you can uh, with, you know, UPF protective apparel uh, mm -hmm. or with, you know, cloak fabric you can't see through. Um, and if you can get in the shade and do your activities in the shade or outside of peak UV hours, which I mean, in Canada, it's 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., um, you know, do, do those. Uh, we've got our, our walk coming up uh, next weekend, next Sunday. Um, and so what we've done is we changed our walk time. Normally every, you know, charity walk is usually in the morning and it's like, oh, opening ceremonies are like 8 or 9 a.m. Well, you know, you're, that means you end up walking during peak UV hours. Um, so we've changed our walk to be outside of peak UV hours and encouraged uh, people to walk between 3 and 5 p.m. Um, this year to to really, you know, practice what we preach. Yeah, you are so right about that. I didn't even consider the fact that normally when you're doing those kinds of walks, it is during peak hours. That is, that's a very good point. Yeah, so it's smart to do things and, you know, use the opportunity as also a reminder of which hours, you know, to seek shade and to be out of the sun. Um, but that's just one of the many really fun campaigns you guys have. You guys also have the Molemobile that I want to talk about as well. Can you dive into that for our audience? Sure. The Molemobile is Canada's first mobile skin cancer screening unit. Uh, the idea was inspired by what uh, other organizations in the U.S. and in Australia are doing. Um, it's essentially a trailer that we've retrofitted into a dermatology office, and it will uh, go across Ontario this year and across Canada over the next five years and really what it's designed to do is bring skin cancer screening to remote indigenous and underserved communities, as well as areas that have a long wait time to see a dermatologist. Uh, the average wait time in a major city in Canada can exceed six months, and we have a shortage across all healthcare professionals these days, but we've always had a shortage of, of dermatologists. Uh, there's only 215 in Ontario and only 700 across Canada. Um, that's for a population of 30 million. And so uh, that makes for uh, long, long waiting periods, even if you live in a major city where obviously, you know, the, the practice, most practice um, is concentrated. So if you live in a rural community, um, you likely have to drive a really long way to to get screened for skin cancer. Uh, the other issue we have, of course, is um, is that, uh, you know, the um, dermatologists are not necessarily um compensated because we have a different healthcare system uh, to what you guys have in the U.S. and, and healthcare is, is funded. And we're very fortunate for that. Don't get me wrong. It's uh, we are certainly very lucky. Um, but uh, but dermatologists um, have to practice cosmetic procedures in order to take home a living wage. Cost of living in, in major cities in Canada is incredibly expensive. Uh, cost of Toronto and of living in Toronto compares to the cost of living, I think, in, in New York these days. Um, so um, they don't have a lot of time uh, to, to diagnose skin cancer. Um, and so, you know, if, you're di if you've got a molar lesion that's, that's concerning um, and you've got to wait, you know, five, six, seven, eight months, that, that causes a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Um, and so we wanted to bring skin cancer screenings to Canadians. Uh, and so that's what this mobile is designed to do. I love it so much. We had on Don Hunt, the president of OnSpot Dermatology, talking about how 
this is the future of skin checks because you are removing a barrier to access that otherwise might not be able to be removed. And you're making it so easy for people to have access to that and solving the problem of those wait times that you said. If you have a concerning mole, but you have to wait six to eight months, well, that mole is changing that entire time if it's a spot of concern. Exactly. I think that's awesome. And then you mentioned strides from Melanoma, but you also have a pickleball tournament as well that's coming up. <laughs> yeah, that's a new one. Uh, so we're introducing that uh, in Montreal and Toronto. We're hoping to turn it into a national series and and bring a, the tournament across the country. It'll be a, a celebrity pickleball tournament called Smash Out Skin Cancer. Uh, it'll be at, uh, in August in Montreal and September in, in Toronto. And so teams of two can, uh, can register online and fundraise. Our top fundraisers will get a chance to play a bonus round against a team of celebrities don't ask me who yet i don't know but we'll be bringing them in from la <laughs> they're not pro pickleball players they're just fun people so it's a unique experience uh for our, our participants but really it's also to shine a light on the importance of practicing sun safety when you play pickleball a lot of the time especially in the summer it's played outside uh and there's no shade uh or or cover uh around similar to tennis and so really we want to educate pickleball players as the sport is the fastest growing sport in North America to um, to cover up and to to apply their sunscreen when they're when they're out there playing. Um, definitely, definitely a need for those athletes. I love it because it was so funny. We were at a market a couple of weeks ago and we have our all-star tennis dress and someone came up to us and they're like, you know, you really need to change the name. And I was like, oh no, like, what are we doing wrong? She's like, it should be called the pickleball dress. And I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it is pickleball is growing so rapidly. And I love that you guys are kind of going on that and using the opportunity to promote and use something that's really trendy right now. But maybe we have to call our all-star tennis dress the pickleball dress now. Maybe that's the way things are going. Yeah, or tennis slash pickleball. You gotta gotta get them there both go. in there. There you go. Yes, where at any time you're outside playing golf, pickleball, tennis, whatever it may be. Um but I think you guys offer so many exciting campaigns to be a part of. And if people are listening and they really want to get involved, what is the easiest way for them to do that? Melanomacanada.ca is our website. Uh, it has links to all of our different events and campaigns and also a lot of uh, educational information, both on prevention as well as our uh, support services for patients. So you can visit melanomacanada.ca and check us out. Absolutely. And what I always say is we'll put it in the show notes so people can find you guys super easily and connect. But the last question I have to ask, because we are closing out May, and we always like to remind that this is just an awareness month to continue what you learn throughout the entire year. So as we are closing out May, what is one thing people should remember all the time, not just this month, about sun safety and early detection and skin cancer? Yeah. So like I said earlier, sun safety is a year-round concern. We like to talk about the three ways to block the rays because it keeps it simple. So first, sunscreen. Uh, apply it every day. Reapply it every two hours or more often if you're swimming or sweating. Make sure you pick one that's UV, offers UVA and UVB protection, broad spectrum, uh, ideally SPF 30 plus. Um, second way, cover up, of course, UPF uh, apparel is ideal, but if not, a thick woven fabric. Uh, remember, sunglasses and a hat as well, ideally. Um, something that's broad, broad brim uh, would be great. Mm -hmm. 
and then uh, seek shade um, and, and do your activities outside of PQV hours. Uh, so those are our three ways to block the rays. And as far as early detection, if you have a molar lesion of concern, uh, look for those A, B, C, D, E's, um, which are the identifiers for melanoma, so the asymmetry that your molar lesion uh, is different on either side. So if you fold it in half, it's not perfect. Uh, B for border, so if it's uh, a hazy, fuzzy border, uh, jagged, C color, if you see multiple colors, uh, you know, some black, some brown, some red, some purples, uh, or if uh, it's um, it changes color. Uh, D for diameter, larger than the size of a pencil eraser, uh, which is six millimeters, uh, or E, evolution, something that just changes over time. Talk to your doctor or dermatologist. It's really important. Mm -hmm. Those are all fantastic reminders. And we think people are going to listen to this, hopefully are sparking change, are listening, are taking advantage of this opportunity to learn. And you also have a social media channel that people can follow as well, correct? We do. Just at Melanoma Canada on Facebook, Instagram, or, or Twitter. Follow us. Uh, ask us questions. We're, we're here to support our community. Yep. And we will link all that in the show notes so people can find you guys. But Fallon, thank you so much for your time and for teaching us a little bit more about sun safety and the work that Melanoma Canada is doing. Of course. Thank you for having me and thank you for what you guys are doing. Thank you for listening to the Ultraviolet Tide podcast, a weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of skincare tips and tricks, lifestyle advice, mental health advocacy, and more, all rolled into one weekly podcast. You can find us at lowultraviolet.com and wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week on the Ultraviolet Tide.